Alright guys, it's Final Score 2 time. Welcome back. It is Monday, September 16th, 2019. Just doing a quick little show. Do, do a, like an album review today on one of my favorite albums of all time. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes before we lead off. You know, we talked about Eddie Money, who passed away this past Friday at the age of 70. One of the legendary rock stars of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And, uh, you know, rough week for rock continues. As we learned last night, learned late, late last night of the death of Cars frontman Rick Ocasek. Uh, if you don't know who the Cars are, I guarantee if you listen to the, if you listen to them long enough, if you hear like the first two chords of a song the Cars did, you would know it was a Cars song. They had, you know, a lot of artists have that distinguished sound. Uh, you know, Elvis had it. Uh, several others have it that you know you just know when the song comes on it's them and uh, the cars were a legendary group from the 70s and 80s uh, put out some great songs like drive was a great ballad then uh, you think about songs like my best friend's girl uh, you might think among others the cars just had a great you know shake it up that was another song that was that was so great but all of these songs you hear from the cars uh, were, were just so distinguishable. In 1978, they got the Rolling Stones, Reader's Poll, won, won Best New Artist. And at the first, yeah, back when MTV had uh, music videos that they played on TV, the first MTV Video Music Awards in 84, they won Video of the Year for You Might Think. Uh, their debut album sold 6 million copies, appeared on the Billboard 200. Album chart for 139 weeks. As of 2001, the Cars had sold over 23 million albums in the United States. They broke up in '88, and Ocasek has since stated that a reunion would never happen. Uh, one of their members, Benjamin Orr, died in 2000 from pancreatic cancer. In 2005, two of the other members joined with Todd Rundgren to form a spinoff band, The New Cars, which performed classic Cars and Rundgren songs alongside new material. They also reunited. In 2010, record a new album, Move Like This, which released in 2000, May 2011, followed by a short tour in April 2018. The Cars were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and reunited once more to perform at the induction ceremony. And, of course, that would be their final performance with Ocasek, who died uh, last night. Uh, he was found... It did in his Manhattan apartment on Sunday law enforcement sources told the post he was 75 years old. He was discovered unconscious and unresponsive around 4.14 p.m. inside his Gramercy Park pad by his estranged wife, model Paulina Porzitska. I just butchered that name, sources said. Appeared to have died from natural causes, sources added. So uh, another legendary rock star just gone. And I guess, you know, the older we get, and at age, I'm, I'm about to turn 46 in, matter of fact, a month from today, I'll turn 46. I guess we get to the age now where our icons are starting to get to that age where uh, they could go. I mean, and, and you're not promised anything. You look at, look at people nowadays, they die uh, in their early 40s. You know, cancer is, is terrible, heart attacks. You know, any of these guys, we're not promised any day. But 
to look at and see our icons now and then to see you know like Eddie Money was 70 um, okay so he was in his 70s it's, it's that time where we just have to get used to our idols are older and they're at that age where it could be any day now and uh, it, it's sad it's really sad because you don't want to think of it that way but yeah it, it's, it's sad Rick Ocasek uh, fortunately passed away and our prayers and our thoughts are with his family and his friends alright next up we're going to talk about a name change for the Final Score 2. You know, the Final Score is my Facebook sports page, and I was, you know, I guess I was in a hurry to get this, this entertainment page going. Uh, Final Score 2 is what I settled with for now, but it's always been my, my plan to change the name to something more fitting of music and entertainment, and I think we talked about this on the last episode, but we have settled on between two names. Uh, one of them is The Scene with Stevie Fly, and the other one is On The Fly, like my last name, On The Fly, F-L-Y-T-H-E. So, I have a poll on my Facebook, on the Final Score 2 Facebook page. Go and vote. I will consider whoever has the most votes. You know, I, it's tough to, for me to pick between these two. I had a lot of help from, from one of my friends, Charles Jones and Stephanie Jones. They helped me, my wife, Billy Joe helped me a lot uh, but I've narrowed it down to these two and uh, you know if you could help me and vote that would be awesome that would be awesome and that we're going to do a whole you know that will change the name of my podcast because I think with my podcast this is the only one of my three that's not on Apple yet and that may be a reason why hopefully when I change it to this it maybe it'll it'll get on uh, on Apple Okay, let's do On This Day, September 16th. And born on this day, 1925, September 16th, was a legendary blues guitarist, B.B. King. Also born on this day, 80s pop star, Richard Marks. Dave Sabo, who is in the group Skid Row, was born on this day. Florida, Florida. American rapper, he was born on this day. And that Nick Jonas was also born on this day. Of course, everybody knows who he is, one of the Jonas brothers. All right, let's get to the main topic of today. I, I told you uh, yesterday when we did our show, we were going to do, from time to time, we would do something like a, a album review. And I couldn't think of a better one to start off with because it was released in September of 1975. 44 years ago. Matter of fact, it was September the 10th, 1975, if I'm correct. Hold on, let me make sure and double check and make sure I am all right with this. Okay, pulling up my stuff now. September 10th, 1975, and anybody that knows me knows I love Kiss. The band. I love, oh, well, I love to Kiss too. My wife, uh, Alive. Now, this is the album that made Kiss what it is. I mean, this has launched everything, got everything going. Before that, they had three studio albums. They had their self-titled album. They had Hotter Than Hell and Dress to Kill. Now, they were not, not getting any sales. Three albums helped establish a cult following, 
they were commercial failures. Paula Stanley attributed the low sales to Kiss' weak sound when they were in the studio versus when they were in concert. According to Stanley, I never thought any of our first three albums captured the intensity of what the band was going for or was. And it was a problem because people would come to see us and many of them weren't buying our a albums. Of course, if, if, and I'm sure you have, unless you're, uh, I don't know why you'd be listening to a music podcast or a musical entertainment podcast if you didn't know who Kiss was. Kiss was famous for its elaborate stage performances where the band members would wear kabuki-style makeup, use pyrotechnics, and speak fake blood at audience members. Gene Simmons said that because of Kiss notoriety, they were kicked off multiple tours with groups like Argent, Black Sabbath, and Savoy Brown because they were afraid to play after Kiss. Kiss's record label, Casablanca Records, had sim similar final issues. By 1974, Casablanca's profits were declining, so CEO Neil Bogart decided to release a double album of audio highlights from The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. Can you believe that? A double album. And I know back then, a lot of... Uh, a lot of albums came out were like laugh-in i think my my mom and dad had a laugh-in album yeah the best of and i listened to that a lot there was there were several albums that were like from tv shows or something like that but and you would think as popular as the tonight show with johnny carson was uh, it averaged 14 million viewers a night casablanca would have a no-brainer to do this they had a gold mine there they shipped 750,000 copies, but the album was an enormous failure. Some distributors mailed back their free copies. And Castleblanca co-founder Larry Harris said it hit the floor with a lifeless, echoing thud. The failure negatively affected many acts signed with Castleblanca, including Kiss. The band only received $15,000 advance for the first three albums and had yet received any royalties. As a result of the breach of contract, Kiss began looking at other labels to sign with, and a lawsuit was eventually filed against Neil Bogart. In a last-ditch effort to save the label, Bogart decided to capitalize on Kiss's on-stage notoriety and had the band record a double live album. And this wasn't something that that you really saw back then. This was a big risk. I mean, later on, you you saw Frampton Comes Alive, and that but that was after Kiss Alive. Frampton Comes Alive was one of the best. I would have to say, probably the second best live album behind Kiss Alive, or maybe third behind Alive and Alive 2. Um, so, Kiss manager Bill O'Coin was receptive toward the ideas he felt the band could finally achieve the sound they strove for. He also liked the fact that a live recording would be less expensive than a studio recording. The band members also liked the idea, and within a few days, Bogart arranged a Dress to Kill tour. Bogart could not finance the tour, so a coin paid for the entire tour with his own money, a total of $300,000. Now, stories have come out, and a coin has said uh, that he, he financed it with his American Express card. And, you know, with them, I've never had one of those cards, but the story is that they always like you to pay your balance by, you know, the following month, which makes no sense because it's a credit card. But anyway... Uh, if you're going to spend something on a credit card, especially a $300,000 one, that's the whole point of it is to uh, break it up into, into monthly payments. So he, he, they would call him and ask, you, this, is a, this is a significant amount. Do you plan on paying this next month? I sure do. So 
you know, of course, he knew he couldn't pay it the next month. Uh, Live comprises 16 songs recorded during four stops on the Dress to Kill tour, May 16th at the Cobo Arena in Detroit, June 21st at Cleveland Music Hall in Cleveland, July 20th at RKO Orpheum Theater in Davenport, and July 23rd at Wildwood's Convention Center in Wildwood. These performances featured elaborate setups. During the song 100,000 Years, stage crew members used flamethrowers to engulf the stage in a ring of fire, and Peter Chris's drum kit rose above the other band members. Sixteen songs featured on their live were taken from the band's first three albums and often have extended drum and guitar solo. Now, I remember getting, you know, first of all, when I became a KISS fan, uh, my cousin, he's the one responsible for this, he, uh, he had the Destroyer album. And, you know, if you look at the, the cover of that album, it's, you know, cartoon-like, it's fancy-like, one of the best covers that you'll ever see on, on an album. I mean, it's just iconic. So, of course, being a KISS fan, a lot of people say, well, KISS, Kiss is more about what you see. You know, it's all about the, the costumes, the, the stage show. Uh, but, yeah, and, and that's probably with I, I would guarantee a majority of the fans were drawn in by that. But there's a reason why you stayed. I've been a KISS fan since I was five years old. I'm Like I said, that, this is my 40th year as a KISS fan. So I'm not just hanging around because of the way they look. You know, I'm sorry. There's got to be some substance to the music. Uh, the music is good. I love the music, rock music. It's got some ballads mixed in. If you haven't listened to Kiss before, which I'm sure most of you have, I mean, look at some of the some of the the success they've had. They've been around since what '73, I believe. So, you know, it's not just about the appearance. And yes, they're on their farewell tour now. So. It's, you know, of course, they've had one farewell tour already, but I think this one's really, the end of the road tour is what they call it. I think this is really going to be it. Uh, but, you know, and Alive, like they said, that was the best way to capture that intensity that they had on stage that, and, and to, to give people a souvenir of what they saw in concert. And I, they did a great job because, I mean, it set off. Of course, uh Everybody, the first thing, especially if not really a big fan of Kiss, the first thing you say when you think, what's the song you think of when you think of Kiss, and it's going to be rock and roll all night. And that was really what launched Kiss when they did a live. It, and it was recorded earlier on, on Dress to Kill, but didn't take off. It didn't take off till the live version came out from Alive. And it's, you know, it just set everything off. The rest is what they call, I guess they call it kistery. Uh, but there has been considerable de debate as to how much use was made of studio overdubs. In his autobiography, Kiss and Makeup, Simmons stated that very little corrective work was done in the studio and that most of the studio time was devoted strictly to mixing down the multi-track recordings. He also emphasized that Kiss could not have done this extensive overdubbing even if they wanted to, thanks in no small part to the Johnny Carson album fiasco. The extremely meager budget allotted to the band simply would not allow it. According to Dale Sherman's book, Black Diamond and Goldmine Magazine, in the early 1990s, Eddie Kramer stated there were, that there were a few overdubs to correct the most obvious mistakes. 
strings breaking or off-key notes, for instance. However, in recent years, Kramer has stated that the original live recording on the album is Peter Chris. The only original live recording on the album is Peter Chris' drum tracks. Stanley's noted there is a bass mistake in the choruses of Come On and Love Me. He also made comments that even though there have been live albums recorded later that, that make a live sound like it was recorded in a washroom, he has no qualms about it. Peter Chris has also claimed in his 2012 autobiography, Make Up to Break Up, that the only original live recordings on the album were his drum and vocal tracks. During the program, Classic Albums, the band members all stated that while many changes have been made, such as overdubbing vocals and mixing together various crowd sounds to get a more amplified sense of the live sound, they considered the changes minor. In particular, they stated that they had only altered the noise of the crowd to better capture the feel of the actual performances, since the raw recordings only dimly picked up the audience. They also stated that they had difficulties capturing vocals due to the natural jumps, dancing, and other stage activities. So I, I, I'm like this. Whatever you did, you did something right, because I, it was probably my favorite Kiss album of all time. I used to listen to it on the record player start to finish, I had my Kiss Halloween costume by Ace Frehley. Ace Frehley, who is my absolute favorite member of Kiss. My Kiss Ace Frehley costume. And my, I had a white plastic Kiss guitar that I acted like I was playing. Uh, that met an untimely end, and I could kick myself for it. I decided one time when I was playing one of my little concerts, like we all did, that I wanted to be more like Ace Frehley. Of course, Ace Frehley would set his guitar on fire. Uh, and, it, and it was part of every show. And I decided I would get a smoke bomb to put in my plastic Kiss toy guitar. Dumb me. Plastic melts. And this thing became a white plastic just glob of melted plastic is all it was. Uh, it was terrible. And I could kick myself every day for that because... Uh, any of my KISS stuff from back then, my Halloween costumes, uh, my action figures. I still have the thermos from my KISS lunchbox that I bought in, what, 78? And I have a KISS Viewmaster reel, a couple of those. I have those, and I have a, some KISS. All my, I have a lot of KISS vinyl, uh, and I have uh, a KISS 8-track. Actually, I have a KISS 8-track. So... Yeah, I could kick myself at that. But getting back to Alive, and one of the fun things about Kiss, you know, when you got vinyl back then, you'd always get something, it was an insert in it. And that's something that I miss about not being able to get a record or a CD anymore. The liner notes, uh, but when you opened up the, the Alive album, you had a booklet that came, they like the history of Kiss. And then you had a... In the gatefold, when you opened it up, there was a, on one side there was pictures, and then on the other side there was letters from all four members, of course, staying in character. And they loved to stay in character. They did not come out of character. Uh, but they, they stayed in character and had letters to the fans, uh, and plus the booklet, booklet was great. But chart-wise, Alive peaked at number 9 on the Billboard 200 album charts and charted for 110 weeks, by far the longest in the band's history. In 2003, the album was ranked number 159 on, the, on Rolling Stone magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. 
In 2006, it was placed at number 26 in Guitar Magazine's list of the 100 greatest guitar albums of all time. In 2009, the same magazine placed at number 3 on their list of top 10 live albums. I'd like to see what two were ahead of that. But, yeah, it, it, affect, it, it influenced so many artists. Uh, good Lord. And you, to look at, and I miss the old days of looking at it on vinyl because uh, it was something about that vinyl. I used to get a kiss. It, was, it seemed like they all came out, all the albums were released, at least kisses were, around, around Easter, around the first of the year back then. At least that's what I thought because... Every year at Easter, I would end up getting a Kiss album. And at Christmas, sometimes I would get one. Uh, but they have pictures, and I need to post those pictures of me posing with... The last time I remember getting getting an album for Easter was The Elder. And I know people are going to... Kiss fans will bash that. But you look at some of the songs. All the all the great Kiss songs are up here. Deuce leads off with Deuce. And that's how it did during the reunion tour. They led off with Deuce. It was pretty much... A lot of these songs were played at the reunion tour, which was, what, 23 years ago now. Uh, Deuce, Strutter, Got to Choose, Hotter Than Hell, Firehouse, uh, Nothing to Lose, Come On and Love Me, Parasite, She, Watching You, 100,000 Years, Rock Bottom, Black Diamond. Now, Black Diamond, that is a very underrated song, especially live. I could, I, I like, I probably like that more than I do. Rock and Roll All Night, but then they've got Cold Gin, Rock and Roll All Night, Let Me Go Rock and Roll. It was a four, it was a two, double double LP, four sides back then, so you had four sides, uh, usually four on each side, but uh, Rock and Roll All Night really launched that, and then to think about what they would have been if that hadn't come along, you may, ne you may have never known who Kiss was if Alive hadn't come along. But that record set up Kiss for the great success they had over the over the last what 44, 40, 46 years now. Uh, you know, it led to uh, big time popularity. They they had so many world tours. Love Gun, which was an incredible album, came out then. Of course, there was two more, uh, three more official live albums because I was forgetting about the symphony. He had Alive 2, Alive 3, which came, there was a big gap between Alive 2 and Alive 3. I think Alive 2 was in 78 or 77, and then Alive 3 was in like 92 or 93. So, uh, big gap between there, but Alive 3, I can listen to, but I'm not the biggest fan of. It's got some great songs on there, but uh, Alive 4, The Symphony, they did that with the Australian Symphony. And that was recorded live in Australia. Uh, that was that was interesting. I remember hearing that for the first time and hearing a symphony play in the background with Kiss was was really cool. But and then you think about the '70s, the rest of the '70s after Alive, Kiss did a little bit of everything. They had their own comic book. They had they appeared on so many TV shows. Had their own TV movie, and there was so many things that were going to happen. And then it just it just I guess in the in the late 80s, it just fizzled out. A lot of people blame it on the elder, but, you know, uh, Peter Chris and Ace Freely leave. They're replaced, and, and things, I won't say they got worse, but they, did, they, they never got back until the reunion tour. They never got back to that popularity that they had uh, 
in the, in the mid to late 70s. Uh, but they, I've always been a KISS fan. I always will be. I don't agree with some of the things they've done over the years, but I'm, I'm a die, you know, I don't agree with some things everybody does. And I'm sure people don't agree with what I do a lot of times either. And that's just part of life. But diehard KISS fan, but that's talking about KISS Alive. And you think about it, uh, how many how many people would have took a chance when that record company did to, to release a double live album back then? They had no other choice, I guess, but just a great move by Neil Bogart. Casablanca Records, what can you say about them? That's a blast from the past. Back when I can remember the first time seeing one of those and seeing the fancy design on the label, the Casablanca label, and just thinking... And I didn't know who, back then when I first saw it, I didn't know who Humphrey Bogart, Bogart was or who, uh, who Casablanca, what Casablanca movie was. I was like five years old when I saw that label. And then when I, later on, when I first time I saw Casablanca, I said, well, they ripped off the label. So needless to say, it was the other way around. Anyway, guys, that's going to do it for today. I hope you enjoyed this talk about Kiss Live, uh, some music news. And by the way, don't forget, go vote on that poll. Is it the scene with Stevie Fly or is it on the fly? Please go vote. Please let me know what you think. Guys, you have a great day. We'll be back again next week. We'll continue our top 25, my top 25 artists, favorite artists of all time. We'll do that and more on the next episode of The Final Score 2, soon to be one or the other. Guys, thank you for listening. You have a great day.